0: This is Victoria.
1: And this is Ronald.
0: How are y'all doing out there?
1: I guess they're doing well. <laughs> they can't really answer that.
0: I know. I just always like to start with something other than just like, let's get into our topic. You know.
1: I guess when we when we do video, we get to look into the camera yeah. and
0: stare at all of our listeners no. intensely. Yeah, in the face. In the they're face. Like, Why they're looking at
1: us like that? <laughs> So
0: weird. Well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever kind of things you're going through, we hope you're doing well. We are still in the midst of a pandemic, and I don't know about you, Ron, but I feel like everyone started a podcast this year.
1: Literally, literally like literally,
0: literally everyone. Yeah.
1: See how many people stay when the pod, you know, when the pandemic ends, right? I think a lot <laughs> of people are going to fall off on the podcast tip, so we're going to keep going.
0: Yeah, so Ron and I decided we'll just do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Give unsolicited advice. Yeah. To everyone that wants it. Yeah. Or doesn't want it.
1: Yeah, if you don't want it, fantastic. If <laughs> Too you bad. do want it, we'll help you. We don't know much, but yeah. we only know our experience. We're only practitioners. Maybe we can share experiences mm-hmm. with one another and learn from one another. And yeah, this is I what agree. this podcast is really about is learning from one another. I learn from uh, Victoria. Victoria learns from me. I
0: do i'm kidding yeah i do
1: sometimes yeah yeah other times i'm just like
0: other times i'm like ron just shut up just be quiet it's just no
1: dang i'm like it was great (laughs) advice i take it but i guess you know whatever to each his own you know i'm just an older person who has life experience like I should know what I'm talking about.
0: So you're a wise- I've made lots
1: and lots and lots of mistakes.
0: You're a wise old sage. Yeah,
1: you know what they say, right? I You heard this before? Mm-hmm. Uh, a wise person learns from their mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that how it goes? No,
1: a smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise yeah. person learns from others. I like that. Thank you, you're welcome everyone.
0: But I do think that <laughs> even if you do make mistakes, you can be smart and wise. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. They are. Okay.
1: The reason why they're exclusive is because one doesn't take pain to learn. When hmm. you make mistakes yourself, yeah. You're getting hurt. Oh yeah. When you learn from others, you're learning from their hurt not to make the same mistakes. Yep. So make but it. we
0: don't always learn from others. That's that's the reality. We gotta wake up. That's how humans work.
1: This is woke culture now. We're in woke culture. And woke culture just learns from everything. That's why everyone has a podcast. (laughs) They learn the toxicness. They turn, you know. That's why
0: everyone's an expert on something. On something, just like us. I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. You know, we aren't experts, by the way. We are practitioners. I'm just. But what I was thinking the other day, as I was scrolling through the good old Instagram, Mm -hmm. is that literally everyone can claim to be an expert of something these days, right? Like before, you had people study for years and years and years of like research and like trial and like mm-hmm. trial and error and all this all these things right that like made someone so knowledgeable on a subject or on a thing and now everyone is just kind of like a self-proclaiming expert on something
1: well, why not well you this is the because thing because they
0: mar- they can market it that's yeah. what i'm saying is instagram has become a place to market those things
1: again what has, has school prepared people for real life? No. Then what has school truly done? You pay, you get a receipt, and you go out in the real world where you can't get the job that you want.
0: Is this you trying to dissuade me from becoming no, a no, licensed I want therapist? You, <laughs> I want you to
1: become a licensed therapist. I want you to, if that's what you want to do. But also understand that life experience and book experience are two different things. Yeah. A lot of times, you can have all the the Sigmund Freud's and uh, whatever the other names there are out there. Mm-hmm. Sigmund Freud was a therapist, yeah, and he was a kook. Could sure. you really believe everything Sigmund Freud has today? What he no. said today? No. Okay, because it doesn't fit, right? So yeah. life experiences. There's certain chemical things that happen in the brain. How we um, how we see ourselves a lot of the self-talk all these things do help therapy is real and being a therapist and license is real but also taking your life experiences and to bring them life yeah because it's the stories and the tragedies that we have that we relate to i'm not going to relate to you if uh if if you just have theories yeah right right
0: it's I agree chem- with you. It's
1: a chemical imbalance. I don't know what that means. <laughs> right? Yeah, you do. But, you know, there's, there's, there's levels, right? Yeah. And what you specialize in, you have, there's so many things that you can specialize in. Like, say you are a marriage counselor. Okay? And the person says, you know, I think I want to I wanna ask my wife for a threesome. What do you think, marriage counselor? What advice would you have on threesomes? and a um, husband and wife talking to them.
0: I think I would just ask a lot of questions because yeah. I personally have never experienced one. Okay. So I wouldn't be able to speak from experience yeah. in so, that situation. Yeah.
1: So I'm a person that's had it. hmm And I would let them, I would also give them, I would say, ask them a lot of questions, but also give them the ups and downs. Yeah. And the, you know, how to communicate or why to communicate more and, You know then ask more questions about what they desire because i've had the experience i've had the lows and the highs of having that Mm -hmm, experience
0: mm -hmm.
1: so that's all you can do
0: yeah speak from life experience which is exactly why we're here that's right right.
1: (laughs) that's why we're here
0: (laughs) that's why we're here because
1: we've you know the thing is we made mistakes and we've made um strides and we can talk and all we're here for is to Communicate these so people understand that they're also not alone That's why I'm here for this podcast let people know you're not alone in your feelings and we're all here together feeling these things
0: Well, let's be honest. You're also here because you have a lot of jokes
1: (laughs) No, I'm the straight guy today
0: If you haven't tuned in in our other episodes, Ron likes to joke around. Oh. I, we always joke that like I'm the PC, I'm the politically correct one, and Ron mm. just is completely unfiltered, says whatever he wants. I just want to poke at the and bear. And he just keeps poking the bear.
1: Yeah, I poke the bear. Yep. So, uh, what are we talking about today? In that segue, we're going to talk about something pretty serious that you know, oh. that we both can Should relate to. Should we put our like,
0: serious scholarly hats on?
1: No. Okay. Yeah. No. Just, you know, keep your big...
0: I wish everyone could look at the face he just gave yeah. me.
1: Just keep your big boy drawers on, A big girl draws. Oh, okay. Yeah, your granny panties. Yeah. And I, I I'll do love keep, granny panties. And I keep my, my big boy draws
0: on. Okay, sounds great. Draws. <coughs> undies, so, but, you know. Undies,
1: yeah. That's so, a discussion
0: for another time. Yeah,
1: so we're going to talk about identity. Um,
0: Ooh. Yeah. That's such a big topic.
1: Yeah, well, it can be. And it can't be.
0: There's so many. We're so multifaceted.
1: We, well, at least we think we are. Yeah. I've, I've discovered something new about this subject in myself just recently. What about? So the subject that we're talking about today is identity in one's community. right? Okay. Uh, so when there's a slang term uh, in my community, Uh, It's called code switching. Have you heard this before? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I am, if if nobody knows right now, I'm an African American male. Uh, I am here in the United States of America. (laughs) And Victoria is?
0: I am a first generation Latinx woman. Okay. So, born here in the U.S., I'm a citizen of this country, but my parents, my parents are now citizens, but. They immigrated from their homelands.
1: So, no, ice is not coming after you.
0: Ice is not coming after good, me. Good. Cause yep.
1: We don't want vanilla ice to come after you. That'd be terrible. <laughs> right? Yeah, Mr. Ben Winkle. Anyway, uh, so this conversation came about from, uh, we had a talk a little while ago about who we are in. America, and also who we are in our community, and how we are raised, and then the situations in our life that people would question our allegiance mm-hmm. to our proverbial culture. yeah, And how hard it is to be a person who feels like you're never enough. So I'm gonna ask Victoria about her experience. And we, you know, we're just gonna have a little conversation and listen for both of our experiences to maybe even learn from one another in this and maybe even find a common bond in this code switching reality nowadays.
0: Yeah, well we have found that common bond. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're just sharing it with the public now. True. But first, do you want the long version or the short version? short are you sure we should pull the uh, listeners
1: no no <laughs> we're gonna do the you're long-winded so i am so i really your, am your short version is the long version it is the long so version. so we're gonna try to keep you in i'm short you version.
0: know what just because you said that oh my goodness i'm gonna make it super short you want me to do bullet points
1: can you do bullet points off the top of your head i could try please no. it's just
0: not gonna make any sense
1: oh, oh even better <laughs> sounds like women <laughs>
0: oh did y'all hear that do you need me to smack them because i will
1: don't bring them into this
0: oh i am though
1: no no we're right here see listen you don't want to answer the question
0: i do i do want to answer the question all right let's go go. answer the (laughs) question so yeah here we go so i was born in providence rhode island and um this this is a short one right yeah this is a short version don't worry
1: she looks like she's reading something but there's nothing
0: I'm just trying to make it short and so I'm very hyper-focused. Okay, I see you. I was born in Providence, Rhode Island, and my parents, uh, my dad immigrated to this country when he was young, when he was seven years old. He's from Ecuador, Mm -hmm. or Ecuador. Ecuador. There you go, perfect. And my mother immigrated to this country when she was around 18 when she met my father, and she's from the Dominican Republic. Okay. So I grew up in South Providence. Yes, there are Latinx people in Providence. Ron always gives me shit about that, but Rhode Island, <laughs> a very small state, but lots of Puerto Ricans, lots of Cubans, lots of Dominicans, lots of Haitians, you know, all the, all she the Caribbean lots. Islanders.
1: She says lots, but they live on one block <laughs> because Rhode Island isn't big.
0: It really is not that big. No, it's so I was five
1: minutes big, right? You can.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure like one, one weighs 45 minutes and then the other maybe an hour. I don't know. It's really just, it's not that big.
1: There's six people there.
0: (laughs) So anyway, I grew up, I actually didn't learn English until I started going to school. So I grew up in a Spanish speaking household. I grew Mm -hmm. up around my abuelos, my tios and my, my tias and my cousins. And uh, we moved from Providence when I was about six. My dad went to work for the 1990 five olympics or was it 96 i can't remember
1: in uh atlanta mm-hmm
0: 96 yeah. yeah so the first like for the first five or six years of my life i was really immersed in a hispanic uh my you know hispanic culture but not just from my parents respective countries you know mm-hmm. they had friends from central america from guatemala um we had all kinds of islander friends and it was great. Like you know, I was eating rice and beans before I even ever touched like a bologna sandwich. Mm. <laughs> so I really, f- I-, I feel like my whole life, um, I've been trying to come back to that essence, that feeling. You mm. know, where I was just immersed around so much culture, the Spanish language food, community, and as my parents, you know, progressed in this American society, you know, like followed, pursued that American dream, um, they wanted to give me opportunities, my sisters and I opportunities to have a better education, have access to um, better institutions, and so what they did is move to white suburbia, Yeah, da
1: so, so safety is, in the, <laughs> a lot of times safety is in the suburbs. Right, yeah. the illusion of safety. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because that's my personal perspective. Mm-hmm. But, so I slowly assimilated because that's all I knew what to do. And, um, you know, moved into white suburbia, went to school in white suburbia, had a ton of white friends. Um, I was still, I still considered myself deeply tied to my heritage and my culture, because I traveled every year to the DR, mm-hmm. where my my abuela, my fam, my family members are all there from my mom's side, um, and we would visit Rhode Island a lot to visit my dad's side, the family. So I've been to Ecuador, I've been to Dominican Republic several times in my lifetime, but the day-to-day life that I lived was white suburbia, and it it continued to be white suburbia for many many years mm-hmm. into my young. Teenage years into my young adulthood and into college, I went to a private liberal arts school. How many Latinx people do you think actually went there? One. Me. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So yeah, it just it it just it's what I knew to do, which was to assimilate, you know. And now at nearly thirty, I've been doing a lot of work to essentially come back into my own. <clears throat> my own self mm-hmm. by accepting kind of the multifaceted identities that I hold and also the, the life's I've, the lifestyles I've experienced and the type of people I've experienced. And so there's a saying in Spanish that says, no soy de aquí ni de allá, which means like I'm not from here nor from there. And I feel like my whole life has been living that tension mm-hmm. where I would go visit the DR. I would go visit my cousins in Rhode Island. And, um, you know, I wasn't seen as fully Latina because I was living in white suburbia. I was talking like a white girl. Mm-hmm. I was dressing like a white girl and, um, whatever that means, whatever that means. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but then when I was among my white friends and in school in public school, I was kind of seen as like exotic. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have the analysis back then or the language to recognize like the uh, internal racial oppression that I, you know, carried and kind of perpetuated and also took on from others. Um, But now I've been able to put more words to it. I've been able to do more of my own work and Mm -hmm. recognize like, you know, I can love myself in a new way because all of these things exist within me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to deny one or the other, right? Like I'm not less Latina just because I wasn't a part of a group of cholas in high school. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not like less Latina just because my language is now predominantly English, even though I am fluent in Spanish. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's the short version. Was that short for you? Yeah. There's a lot more, but yeah. I'm not trying to keep I was gonna you gonna all, all you, night.
1: Yeah, but I was going to ask you a question. <laughs> What's that? Um, how in your home did it also affect you from, I don't know, what did you learn from teachings from your home that also perpetuated that dichotomy? Yeah. And code switching.
0: I learned not to ruffle feathers with the white people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And I think that's just because to some degree, like my parents learned to assimilate too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't really question the system yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, I just was taught, like, you listen to white people.
1: Yeah. Did you ever have the, so I dated um, a couple of Asian women mm-hmm. and their, their parents would tell them not to date me because I'm black mm-hmm. and that they need to date white men. Yeah. If they're going to make it in America. Did yeah. you get that same speech growing up?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I got the same thing where it was like, don't date, let, don't date Latino men. And I was like, well, why? Mm-hmm.
1: You where know? Did you see, who said it? Oh, you oh my mom. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. yeah. My mom would be like, don't don't date Latino men. And I'd be like, well, why, ma? Like, you dated dad and married him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, he's the exception, right? So it's like, oh, so now we have we have like we're perpetuating racial oppression within our own group of people right Mm -hmm. and we're generalizing latino men especially caribbean latino men there's like a certain stigma that like Mm -hmm. dominican men carry or you know that's kind of placed on dominican men Mm -hmm. um so yeah like that was the rhetoric like they're tigres they're like pendejos you know they're just out with a ton of different women um and so i never dated a latino man ever i only dated white men that was my whole experience
1: and did it feel safe for you because you knew yeah it felt safe you you were so all right with it
0: it felt safe but it didn't i it felt safe because i was i I felt like i was conditioned to believe that it felt safe right by Mm -hmm. the system like this is the way that our society like like what's the word like perpetuate I keep saying perpetuate a lot but it does like that message
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um and so I felt like I was supposed to feel safe right but I think once I was in high school and I I dated this one guy who was so sweet have nothing bad to say about him which is not the case for all my exes Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll talk about the Florida one later but uh but so bad (laughs) but yeah I I think I started to realize like there was one day where we went out for a drive and we were driving around in the suburbs and he was like looking at all these like million dollar homes in the suburbs and he was like, oh, I can't wait to have that, Mm -hmm. you know? And like we were in high school, so we were so in love and we're like, oh, we're going to get married and all that stuff. And, and he was like, I can't wait to have that. And I can't wait to have this like cookie cutter dream. And in my head, I'm just sitting there in the car thinking like none of this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And.
1: You don't I, want to live in the suburbs. you don't want to, No,
0: I was like, none of this is what I want. Yeah. And this isn't for me. This wasn't made for me. Yes. Right. And I think I started to realize then like, oh, there's a lot. I mean, I have a lot of privilege mm-hmm. as a first generation Latinx woman. I will admit that. But I think I started to recognize kind of the dissonance and the, and the gap that mm-hmm. did exist at that point. Like, oh, like this is what a lot of white men especially strive for hmm and have easy access to
1: mm-hmm. you know or so-called we we don't we don't know we don't know yeah, yeah because I'm not i I'm not a white, not a white man either yeah. so
0: all you white men you know am I right
1: or am not. I right yeah we don't know <laughs> we don't know we, we can only assume
0: yeah absolutely you know. but there were things in my household too that I appreciated like the um, you know we spoke Spanish in my household uh, you know, for example, like for lunch, I wasn't eating bologna sandwiches. I was eating like arroz con frijoles Yeah, Wait, and carne asada and, or yeah. not carne asada, um, uh, ropa vieja is a kind of, is a kind of traditional dish that my mom would make.
1: It's funny cause, uh, carne asada was a, a funny term like a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was code for something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Carne asada. <laughs>
1: yeah. Did, so you didn't fry the, uh, the bologna to when it bubble up? You put yeah. rice on
0: the inside no. with cheese.
1: Mm, no, Dang. I
0: never understood like American meals, which is interesting, right? Because when mm. my dad immigrated to this country, he has such intense like. My dad's a very like sensory type person, like smells and tastes, and he mm. loves food. And he grew up in like an Italian immigrant neighborhood, and so going to these like fresh Italian markets and bakeries, and and he remembers like. Eating American food and it like transports him to coming to this country, right? Like that experience of eating like white wonder bread.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm like, why? Squishing it,
1: squishing it in your hands. Why is that like a, a memory? Bo- yeah, because it's a thing. It's a yo. Right. What does young people say? It's a vibe.
0: It's a vibe. It's Apparently, a vibe. it was a vibe back then. It's vibe. So it's just interesting how like for him, American food became this like iconic, like, wow, right? right. And then for me, it was like. Bologna sandwich? That's fucking boring. Like, I got the shit right here because my mom made me some *ropa vieja*.
1: You never had a hood bologna sandwich though. (laughs) I have not. I have not had a hood bologna sandwich. You just you just put the bread and the meat and just call it a day. No, you gotta get that bologna sandwich and cook it (laughs) to where it turns. It starts to curl. Fry? It fries up. Yeah, and it Mm -hmm. starts to curl. Shh, please. I know things. (laughs) So it's delicious. Love it. So what is, uh, when did you wake up and how did your battle in yourself internally, uh, how did that conflict like connect where you like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I've been this way and I want to be this way. Who am I? How Mm. do you pull those things together to actually find out who you are or who you want to be?
0: I mean, that's definitely a journey, and I'm still on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I finally woke up when I moved to Miami shortly after graduating college. Mm-hmm. I was in a relationship. Um, you have something to say about that relationship, Ron? Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, no. You Maybe just, he's listening out there.
1: Oh, the creepy dude. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Murder Mahomes. Yeah.
0: Murder Mahomes.
1: Yeah, he's creepy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I was in a relationship. Didn't work out. But I did move to Florida for this person because that's what you do when you're in a relationship.
1: He didn't flew you out?
0: He didn't fly me out. No, I drove with my dad. He drove me. He moved me to Florida. Yeah, he... My dad's a champ.
1: Yeah, he truly trusted that this guy would do nothing. I will say... Because he would do nothing.
0: Let me take a couple steps back here because this Mm -hmm. is also super important to the Latinx context I grew up in. Mm -hmm. My father... Did not exhibit any form of machismoism
2: mm-hmm.
0: growing up. Okay. He really did not fit into that context. When I started dating in high school, all of my boyfriends were fucking terrified to meet my dad mm-hmm. because they thought he was gonna be that classic Latino father mm-hmm. that would like show, like answer the door when the boy knocked on the door and like basically intimidate the shit out of him. Yeah. Like and TV. Yeah, like TV, exactly. And when my dad met these guys, he was so chill that they'd be like, yo, your dad is so cool. Yeah. Like my dad went to the movies with my guy friends, like just hung out with them or like my boyfriend.
1: Yeah, your dad's really cool.
0: He is cool. He's really dope. But he also took on a lot of responsibility in the household, you know, even though my mother, like my dad was the primary uh, breadwinner. Is that what we call it? Yes. I'm thinking like of a term in Spanish, but it's not coming to mind. Um,
1: I don't know it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah know, I, not, I don't know why I, I thought that translates tina. to
0: Spanish, but it doesn't yeah. it's not a word in Spanish. Um, but my even though my dad was the primary breadwinner, um, you know my mom cooked, my mom took care of a lot of the household stuff. Mm-hmm. but my dad pitched in, he did dishes, he bathed us, you know like he did all the things to keep up a household with my mother mm-hmm. and he never controlled her or the household in any way that made us feel like he was like, we knew he was the man of the household, but not because he had to insert that authority. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I just really appreciate, like, I really appreciate that personally, because I know that's not the case for a lot of uh, Latinx, you know, mm-hmm. children out there, especially like uh, first generation Latinx folks or like, you know, uh, folks that have immigrated here, but grew up primarily in the States. Like there's just a different culture. American culture is very different than Latinx culture. And so I'm just thankful that um, I didn't have that, like, insane, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pressure, like, control from a dad like that.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool uh, side story. Yeah. The, so I have a- But you
0: asked a question. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. I totally went off yeah, track. Yeah. I,
1: uh, I have another, I have this part of the same question.
0: Yeah. When what, did I wake up?
1: Yeah. Wh- when did you wake up and what are you struggling with Yeah. now?
0: That's a good point. Um, So I woke up when I moved to Miami. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, I realized that I could finally tap back into my native language. Mm -hmm. So I primarily spoke Spanish because I was working with Cuban refugees. Um, I was shopping at, you know, literally anywhere you go. You could live in Miami your whole life and never learn English. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to the local bodegas. I was like eating a lot of traditional foods again. I was tapping back into like Caribbean culture and Latin American culture and it just made me wake up and realize like, wow, like I have been assimilating to whiteness so for so long because that's what I thought I had to do to survive. Right. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think that when I moved back to Kansas City in 2015, I quite, you know, truly I felt like I was at this crossroad of like having to meet a lot of old parts of myself mm-hmm. because I grew up here for majority of my teenage and adult years and but here I am experiencing this whole other side of me in Miami and then I came back to Kansas City I was like shit like I have to I have to reconcile with that part of who I am slash was because I felt like I had to assimilate and also accept this new improved like evolved version of who I am Mm -hmm. and so it's been years of work in progress, to be honest. And a lot of that has looked like picking up literature from like, you know, I have a book that's essays from like a bunch of Dominican writers and um, like tapping back into like some classic salsa, merengue, bachata songs that I grew up with and speaking more Spanish and trying to really immerse myself in more of a Latinx community of people, you know, Mm -hmm. meet more Latinx people, connect with some Latinx women, even though we had very different contexts of growing up in, I I do think (laughs) it's, it helps me kind of like come alive in a way that I don't when I'm around my white friends. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of intentional self work to like put my, to put myself out there and, and reconnect with those parts of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my dad did DNA tests in the last year. Really? And so that's been really cool to you kind find of out like.
1: what all of it?
0: Yeah, there's so much. I can't remember all of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he was really obsessed with the fact that he's like 0.07 Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> and he like was so hung up on that. Uh, so we talk about it. He's like, but I'm 0.07% Nigerian. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we get it. It's
1: like, yeah, I got peoples in Legos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um but yeah definitely I have indigenous blood in me mm-hmm. I I will say like most of my ancestry is uh European mm-hmm. um on both sides of my family but there's also a lot of indigenous blood and there's like a little tiny bit of African
1: mm-hmm. as all of us as all of us yeah we you know some more than others right me more than you yeah, yeah. absolutely and definitely less, more
0: melanin than me because yeah. I am pretty. Light for being a Latinx woman.
1: No, most Latinx women are pretty light. Uh, I don't know very many. I don't know a lot of. The only times I've seen Latin women that are really dark. Yeah. They are. They have uh, a lot more African or Haitian. Yeah, blood they're Afro-Latinx. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't <laughs> identify as Afro-Latinx because no. I, I don't like embody. Just, I don't have like. Yeah. You're yeah. Not, you're I'm not just African. not. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you wouldn't. Exactly. But, you know, obviously the the Americas, Hispaniola Mm -hmm. in particular was like one of the first places to be colonized. So um, lots of European influence. And quite honestly, like when I travel back to the DR, Mm -hmm. the influence that has hit the DR, especially in the city Mm -hmm. is like Western capitalism right like women want to look fair skin women want to kind of live that kardashian lifestyle uh plastic surgery is huge in the dr now it's it's not as big as brazil but like there's all these things now that like people are doing in it it's it's sad to me Mm because i go back and i'm like i want to connect with my mother's patria right like her homeland and like the culture and the richness of like the music and the history, and, but then I also recognize, like, this was the first place to be colonized, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so because of that, it's just per- continued to perpetuate in the culture that we see today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just a continuous process. I don't even know if I answered that question for you. I struggle with it for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but you, I also You feel... can't pinpoint what it is that you're currently holding on to or letting go. Hmm... Like what part in that identity are you holding on to and what part of identity that you are like, I can let that go because this other part is enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a, a characteristic of white supremacy is perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that I have most definitely struggled with and i recognize that like me wanting to look a certain way be a certain way be perceived a certain way like all these things that i strive for sometimes that are all like very surface level obviously like ego egocentric Mm -hmm. come from like that white supremacist structure
1: is is it when you say white supremacist structure is it the structure that you have to look more caucasian in that sense What is the, I'm trying to figure out what the white supremacist structure is.
0: It's just the way that you appear, the way you perform, the way you are perceived, like.
1: By By society. By society. Yeah, like
0: what's acceptable,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: Like, I love walking into a place and hearing a bunch of Dominicans go off about all kinds of topics and talk loud as fuck. Like, I love it, right? But it's not acceptable in a lot of spaces. Mm Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm sure you, you resonate similarly because black people get shit for that all the time.
1: Yeah, we loud.
0: You're loud. Yeah, loud. Right?
1: L- Loudy. Yeah.
0: I know what that's like because my mom is Caribbean.
1: Yeah. But the thing <laughs> is, is that, you know, there's, there's safe spaces with us right. to do that, just like barbershops for men to talk crazy. That was my phone. I apologize to all the listeners. I am. No
0: worries. Out. That was just a sponsor that was hitting us up because yeah. we are about to get lit with sponsorships. <laughs> but Ron's going to answer that later.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what was the question again? Did you there was no friend? question. There's no question.
0: Oh, I just basically was saying, like, I'm sure you resonate, right? Yeah, You're saying resonate. that there are safe spaces, there's like barbershops. Yeah, there's
1: safe spaces, beauty salons, barbershops, family gatherings. Yeah. There's safe spaces for us to. Um, express ourselves and talk to ourselves. Uh, So, this is, these are places where you also get, can get to know yourself and get to know your community. Absolutely. Do you feel afraid of your community sometimes?
0: I'm not afraid of my community. I think it's more internal. I think it's more me. You know, like there's something still within me that is trying to be unleashed. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can't necessarily pinpoint it i think it's because like i didn't grow up in the dr i didn't grow up in ecuador like the only context i have is growing up in like a western american capitalist society see what i'm saying and so
1: you think that but don't you wouldn't you agree that the experience for you as a dominican woman will be different from the experience for a man as a a dominican man come into this country. Yeah. And, and what I'm saying is that the influences are also different. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times family really tries to protect women. Yeah. But men, neighborhoods can raise us mm-hmm. and we can get in trouble more readily in, yeah. in the areas and especially even in the DR. Yeah. Like those parts as a man, makes it a little bit more difficult because sometimes you you know for a man doesn't feel safe around his own community and that's it's a weird yeah feeling and i was wondering if you've ever felt that way
0: yes and no and like i i was a part of i i'll just say this real quick because this awoke me to a new level of my identity process right so mm-hmm. i was a part of a like Uh, race and equity inclusion workshop like Mm -hmm. two years ago and we did kind of this like caucusing event where like black folks talked about their experience Latinx folks talked about theirs white people talked about their experience and I remember raising my hand because we had to we had to make a list of like the things that we love about our culture Mm -hmm. and the things that we are judged by Mm -hmm. by our culture Mm -hmm. and do you remember that list? oh gosh it was a long time ago I have it written down somewhere okay but I remember raising my hand and saying, like, well, I was I primarily was raised in white suburbia and I'm a fair skinned, I'm a light skinned Latinx woman. And I wouldn't say I've never dealt with racism, but like I've never it's never been explicit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never was like no one ever called me a beaner, no one ever called me a wetback, like these things like I did not hear these things expressed towards me, right? Mm Um, and I was just kind of telling her this this woman who was leading the workshop like, you you know like I feel like as a Latinx woman I don't really have the what's the word It's not clout. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't have the
1: street cred. The street cred, or, or, or you can say clout. It's yeah, right.
0: I don't have I don't have the clout to be able to like like complain about all the bad things i've experienced as a latinx person in this country because i haven't really experienced that many bad things right in terms Mm -hmm. of like racial oppression um and she just kind of looked at me and she was like these systems weren't created for you though doesn't matter like none of this Mm. was created for you and Mm -hmm. your people. And it just hit me hard because I've always felt this deep sense of like, I can't complain. Like I have nothing to complain about. I'm accepted in many spaces. Um, You know, I just, I just had never felt like I could be a part of that conversation with other Latinx people who had experienced very explicit racism in their life. And she helped me see like, it doesn't matter because none of this was created for you or your parents as immigrants or, your future children if you have kids with another latinx man or black man or whatever right Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of shattered this thing for me where i realized like oh yeah like there's a lot of work that i need to do to recognize that like i can own this part of my experience of growing up in white suburbia, mm-hmm. but that is not, that wasn't made for me and it never, it never was for me, right? Like I have to come back to this, right? And I keep doing this, 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 my hands are going yeah. around everywhere. Yeah. But you get but, what I'm saying.
1: What, so, but it was made for you in the terms that you benefited from being Absolutely. exotic. yeah. And you know, the community that you lived in wanted that, right? You could have, yeah. you know, you could have married any of those men like oh I have the you know not to put you as the I had the yeah. exotic one but that is there that's how they thought of it yeah, yeah that is there and you know if if you didn't wake up you could have stayed in these places been been just as complacent and happy and never known the last
0: yeah but I'm not white I think it just it shattered that thing for me it was like mm-hmm. shit I'm not I'm not white I knew that cognitively, but it was in that moment where I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, yeah, I'm not. Like, I've benefited a lot from those Mm -hmm. systems. Also, my skin color has to do with that, right? If Mm -hmm. I were dark skin Latinx, if I was Afro Latinx, it'd be a different story. Mm -hmm. But
1: even in the DR, it'd be a different story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because the same kind of uh, racism or Uh classism, Mm -hmm. yep, uh, between light and even dark and Light exists yeah. in the DR.
0: So everywhere I go, I'm praised in white culture because I am beautiful, exotic, like very mm-hmm. unique, right? And mm-hmm. then I'm praised in like Latinx culture because I'm fair skinned. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I. We say skinned it. Uh, skinned it. I'm fair skinned. So either way, right? It's like they're playing off of each other right like there's racial oppression in my own group of people and it also exists in in uh like whiteness too and like white culture and Mm -hmm. and white supremacy so yeah i mean i could go on forever i want to hear more about your story because i know we've talked about this a lot Mm -hmm. and we have experienced so many different kinds of people and um like travel experiences and things that we would have never been exposed to if we didn't leave our own like home right and by mm-hmm. home i mean like our our culture our people our mm-hmm. um language and food to like be exposed to other things mm-hmm. so you hit it off run
1: oh uh, ask me a question you
0: want know I me mean to ask you a question? Yeah, ask me a question okay so you grew up in kansas city right i did yeah so from what i remember mm-hmm. You grew up in the hood.
1: I didn't grow up in the hood. I grew up in a middle class neighborhood. Middle class neighborhood. Let me explain.
0: (laughs) So no questions. (coughs) Go ahead. Take it away. Take it away. I lost my question privileges. Yeah, you lost it.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a middle class neighborhood. Okay. That when the crack uh, epidemic hit, Mm -hmm. it destroyed a community. So my neighborhood changed overnight, in a sense. It took like five years, but it changed it over in that case overnight and so we went from a middle-class neighborhood with working parents and you know sin and working families uh two parents in the house to no dads in any home and my dad was always running out doing whatever and i left home when i was six and i'm moving in with my grandparents so I had a family, I had a two-parent structure, a male and a female. But I also lived in a neighborhood that was burning up. Then I went to Catholic school. So I was around kids that, um uh, from all backgrounds, you know, mostly Caucasian kids. I was going to ask. Yeah, mostly Caucasian kids.
0: You don't see a lot of, like. I don't know, I feel like private Catholic schools very what? much appeal to a certain demographic yeah. of people.
1: Yeah. And so we had some cool kids in there, but it 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 was just it felt like it was all this around me. And but I had a whole different scenario at home. So I was around these white kids and then I went home and it felt unsafe. So now I have in my mind that it's unsafe to be around the people that look like me and these people over here it feels safer Mm -hmm. for me to be around them but then i get little comments like oh this is ron he's not like other black people and it made me feel weird but in my brain i know what she's talking about Mm -hmm. because i'm also afraid of other black people so I'm also afraid of myself mm. in that sense, right? I don't want violence, you know. I don't want to get get in fights every five seconds. I don't want to be a Crip or a Blood, you know. Even though I did, just to survive in that neighborhood. And it always felt weird, right, that I had this one life over here, and this, and I wanted to really connect to this life over here. But I was also afraid of these same people because these these are the same people that I'm getting in fights with. I'm getting guns pulled on me. I'm getting stabbed. I'm getting hit, hit head with bricks. I'm getting my coat and clothes taken away. when Jordans were popular back in the days. You know, people would try to see Jordans. They would still if you had a starter coat on, you would die for a starter coat. You would die if you were wearing Jordans. If you are walking in the wrong neighborhood, you would die in that neighborhood.
0: Man, people were really trying to steal clothes back then. They
1: would you know, say whatever public cuz no one had anything. Right. Then you had the drug game happen and you had territories if you go into a certain territory and you're not wearing you're wearing the wrong color you You will die you could possibly die you could get shot anything we go to a little buck hop and we're having a good time somebody slips on somebody's shoes uh somebody talks to somebody's girl uh whatever the uh, case may be you're getting bucked at right somebody's pulling out a biscuit and spraying the club you feel me yeah and this situation was tough because I wanted to connect. I remember I went to this, uh, I was out at this little buck hop, which is a little club for young people. I was going
0: to ask, what is a buck hop?
1: Yeah, it's a club for young people. Okay. Bucks. I'm buck, going to call them that from now on. A buck is a, a young a youngster. We used to call girls yamps.
0: Uh, yamps.
1: Yeah, young tramps. <laughs> so buck hop. Yamps. You'd go
0: to the buck hop with the
1: yamps. Or we'd pick up some yamps. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we go to the, I went to this club, and this young people club, and I was walking out, and I remember hearing someone call my name, and a kid who was standing uh, in front of me was, you know, leaning against a car, and somebody called my name, and I moved. And I a bullet hit him in the face right oh, in front of me my god. and blew his face off how right? old are you 16. wow so that happened and i remember running and feeling the wind in my ears whistle that i ran i felt like i was running so fast
0: was someone after this kid or he, just, was caught the he was maybe just caught in the crossfire
1: maybe just caught in a crossfire oh my I god just, if i didn't hear someone call my name i was in that path mm. and this kid face gone right so this is the reality that you have that prison uh people fighting you in the streets people robbing you and this my own people who are doing it so on one hand i was like i don't know on this hand i felt safer but i was safer with knowing that people they didn't like me for a race but it didn't threaten me because they were threatened by me they were scared of me, mm-hmm. but I, but they were scared of me. But I was—they felt like I was on their side. Mm-hmm. So it made them feel powerful that they knew somebody from the neighborhood. So now my presence, was, made them feel powerful, and that when they go in situations, they would call me because it made them feel tougher because they had a black eye with them.
0: So you were used for their clout.
1: I was used for their clout. Yeah. And then when I get in the neighborhood, the, you know, I started to have friends who were real dudes, real, you know, real goons in the neighborhood. Mm. But we still, you know, in my neighborhood, you still had to fight to gain notoriety and connection in your neighborhood. So this was tough. And granted, as I got older, not older, but as I grew up a little, a uh, little bit. I remember the OGs in my neighborhood wouldn't let me go on certain things and do certain things because they would say to me, no, you smart kid. You know, don't do these things. This is this is not the life for you. You're too good for this kind of stuff. I'm like, why are you doing it?
2: Yeah,
0: that's it's what like, I, that was this my, is my the country.
1: It's like, this is the cards I'm dealt. You know, you got two parents, but you, you, you can shake your head. Mm-hmm. But when you're a young dude whose mom ain't got a job or his mom is, you know, on drugs, you got little b- baby brothers and sisters, and you can't get a job at 14, 15 years old. Who's going to feed all those people and pay the bills? You. And how are you going to do it? Are selling you Selling drugs. Selling whatever. Yeah. If you're a girl, you sell that ass. If you're a dude, you sell some drugs. And some dudes sell that ass too. You do what you got to do to get by, right? You do what you got to do to almost also feel important in a community of people because you want to have status and connection you want to feel feel that um, like you're achieving even if it's in a a syndicate a crime syndicate or in an unhealthy way right people who murder people makes them feel tough in a group of people that got them got that person to do that
0: it's all in search of belonging like when you think about the human psyche what what makes us like what makes us do things, right? Mm-hmm. What makes us pursue these kinds of like way of living? And obviously there are layers and layers and layers of systemic oppression behind that, right? But it all comes down to belonging,
2: mm-hmm.
0: finding that sense of community, finding that sense of identity, finding belonging with other people, right? Yeah. This is like, I'm fascinated by the, the psychology behind gangs.
1: Mm-hmm. it's just family
0: because of that belonging
1: idea right yeah. you belong to your family right. right? it's the same feeling because a lot of these people a lot of these men uh, don't have father figures so we look to one another for, our, for guidance in that I had my grandfather who when I was trying to learn out here in the streets he would set me straight and put me on a different path he would always tell me you're not like them you have to stay in your lane. You're not like them.
0: Would you ask why?
1: Yeah. It's like because you got somebody who loves you. Hmm. That's why. He loved me enough to make sure that yeah. I wasn't out here on a path to die. Right. It was a long time that living to get to be 35 was something that was... I didn't think it would ever happen. Right. Coming from the places that some of us come. I didn't think that I was going to live to be this age.
0: How does it feel to process all of that? To be like, "Holy shit, I made it to 43."
1: Uh, it feels I'm 45 but oh my bad yeah but it. it you don't
0: you don't even look 40 so um, well it
1: feels when you get to the point in your life where or you get to a place in your head where death doesn't have the weight Mm
2: -hmm.
1: anymore and in a sense not innocence but in one's mind it's a source of freedom because i was so afraid of dying for so long that I stopped being afraid of mm. dying. I so that gave me confidence where any situation if I felt that I was morally and completely right to protect myself or someone else I would give my my, my life is there to protect others and that's how I this how it changed. I it was so many situations where I, you know where these things happen and so many young black men go through this process and go through these things i have my little brother was murdered mm. right stabbed to death and burned afterwards right crazy and kids go bragging about it terrible because they want clout like oh look what i did now you're sitting in jail looking like an idiot but sometimes they can reform in there too Right. Sometimes they can read a book and truly have that time to learn who they who they are. They have that time just to do that or not. I don't know. I've never been to prison, so that's an experience I can't talk to or talk about. But I have been in prison in my mind against my community because I was afraid of them. Yeah. And I also didn't trust this other community because I know they were using me. And then but I'm able to communicate over there better in a sense because it was easier. When I was over into my neighborhood, they would call me white boy and you're this and you're that. And it was hard to connect. Yeah. Then I found people who were from certain parts of the world, uh, say Atlanta and the East Coast, mostly the East Coast. Then I, they understood me and they didn't judge me. They're like, where are you from? I'm like I'm from Missouri. Like, hey, you got an accent that sounds it sounds real cool. I remember mm-hmm. I went up to Canada one time, and the person's like, "Wow, your accent is beautiful." I'm like, we're speaking the same language, mm-hmm. but both speaking English. The the person is like, "You si- you sound like you're singing when oh. you speak." I'm like, "Wow, that's really neat. <laughs> that's really like, neat." And I'm not a very good singer, so this yeah. works out. Yeah. So, different parts of the world, California. Chicago, some parts of Chicago, um, you know, Atlanta, Florida, uh, New York, uh, some parts of the Midwest, not Kansas City per se, but all these different places, people didn't have the same attitude towards me, right? They didn't say, oh, you sound white. I sound like them to right. them, depending yeah. on the area right. and the music I was listening to. it had a big influence. All the music I listened to was from the East Coast. So it had a big influence on a lot of the intonations, a lot of the words I use. And kids in my neighborhood didn't use these words. And they didn't listen to this kind of music. And they weren't talking about some of the things that we're talking about until we got into small situations where it was just like a few of us. And we were talking about metaphysics and things like that. And we found out who the ghetto nerds are. Like ghetto nerds, love that. People people who knew that they needed more and wanted better in their life but didn't know how to do it with the situations that they had. And a lot of them grew up out of that. And a lot of them are still alive today. Yeah. And they're doing well, they're prospering. So it's a testament. Let me ask
0: you, do I have my question privileges back? That's the first question. Yes. Okay, thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so how did it feel growing up with something that stood out to me with what you just said about your story was like when all the people from your neighborhood would like go do hood stuff, right? Yeah. Um, or go be a part of like gang activity and mm-hmm. you wanted to come along.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you're also searching for a sense of belonging with your own community and they're like, nah, you're too smart for that. Did you grow up with this idea that like you either had to be this or you had to be that? Like, you either had to be the intellectual, right? Like, you're smart, you're intellectual, you go to private school, you can sit with all the white intellects and talk about art and music and all these, you
1: mm-hmm. know. No.
0: I do this hand thing. Yeah. But, like, but like you weren't accepted in your own community because that's not what it means to be black and a part of this hood, right? right. And so, like, I felt that. Like, I've I felt that tension of, like, This is what it means to live as a Latina woman. Like this is to buy Mm -hmm. into that context, Mm -hmm. right? But I either had to be this or had to be that. It goes back to like, ni de aquí ni de allá. Like I had Mm -hmm. to choose. I couldn't actually integrate all of that into my being.
1: Yeah, because there's a there seems to be a, I don't want to say a fracture Mm -hmm. of sorts. Like when we talk about code switching is being different people for different communities.
0: You're like a chameleon.
1: And I don't know if that is necessary, being honest with oneself, because whoever you are, you should be able to be that authentic person in all spaces, whether whether they reject you (coughs) or accept you. Right. That's the issue. Do you need some water? I'm going to have some right now.
0: Okay. (coughs) Don't pass out on us.
1: I won't. So whether they reject you or accept, you know, it's, the thing is, is you want to find your whole self. Yeah. And if they reject you in this part, fine. Yeah. They reject you over here, fine. fine. You will find your tribe. Right. And that's been my process is I'd find, I find, I'm finding and I found my tribe members, people who feel like me, who look like me, who understand and who who teach me better to find myself deeper right and this is finding those 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 tribe members
0: so how do you feel like you found cuz this is what you were trying to ask me earlier and i don't think i could answer it because i'm still in process mm-hmm. of like how did you find that self that part of you that that not even part that whole self that can navigate in all spaces the same way right like you are you are authentically your whole self, whether you're in the hood or whether you're at a fine art gallery talking about,
1: mm-hmm. I don't
0: know, 18th century art or whatever.
1: Uh, it's, you know, like, yeah.
0: how did you get to that point? Because I think that's where I'm at. I'm like, I don't know what my whole self is because I've been conditioned to be a certain way, mm-hmm. to survive, to assimilate mm-hmm. to a dominant culture where I knew that was how I got ahead in life versus like I also grew up in this country. I didn't grow up in another country. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that much more removed from like my patria is here. Mm-hmm. My patria is not the DR. My patria is not Ecuador. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like for you, how did you get to that point where you're like, this is my whole self and I'm integrating all of these parts of who I am and I'm cool with it.
1: Yeah. Well be honest with you, I didn't integrate them all. I started dropping things off.
0: Hmm. So you and like shed them?
1: I just yes. They don't serve me because they're not me.
0: How did you come to know that though, right? Because when you do something so long because you assimilate, <coughs> you don't know if that's actually you or if that's survival. How does
1: it make you feel when you're in this situation? If it makes you feel not right, little uneasy, if it's a deep gut thing, right? Where you're playing up to someone. It's like kissing somebody's ass. You know when you're kissing somebody's ass because you can taste it in the back of your mouth, <laughs> right? You know when you're not being authentic. Mm-hmm. You know it, know it, right? You know when you're just smiling, just a smile yeah. to the camera. You know when you're just smiling just so the person doesn't see you the way you think they see you. Right. That's the issue. Like, I'm being nice because I don't want them to see, I I want them to see a different black person than they've ever seen before. Right. That you're not like other black people. Like I had the whole black race on my shoulders and I'm presenting blackness to these, this group of people.
0: (laughs) It all is contingent on how you. You, Man, he is the nicest.
1: (laughs) He is the nicest Negro I've ever met in my life. Wow. That's a, that's a phenomenal blackie there. (laughs) <laughs> Gosh darn it, that is a. That blackie. I wish all of those blackies were like that. Right?
0: That's problematic.
1: Whether, what relates to what cultures you go to, they have their own idea from media, from life, from experiences. Some people get here, and if you're. Some people get here and they're poor so they're going to be in poor neighborhoods and poor neighborhood people make poor decisions sometimes you don't have nothing you rob people all these kind of things and when you see black people do something like oh, I told you
2: mm-hmm.
1: black people are bad or you haven't seen all black people you just seen ones in this predicament yeah in this but context y- yeah and but y'all doing the same thing
0: yeah
1: right What's the difference? So
0: you didn't like integrate. You actually shed. Like shed. you mm-hmm. went through the process of being like, nah, doesn't serve me. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like my authentic it, self, yeah. right?
1: Me, I'm not hood. I'm not a hood dude. So I had to shed that off, right? Right. I want to build people. I want to build men and women up, not hood stuff, right? I don't, I'm not, you know i don't sag. I don't, you know, just sagging is not hood. I'm just saying. I don't. I'm not hood. I've never really been, but I had to be okay with that, and not being uh, hat clout in that situation. But then there was a time in high school, and in college. Like in high school, I started had friends from both sides. Whether they're Bloods, whether they're Crips, whether they're Latin Kings, whether they're folk, I could be in each of those things because I also proved myself to those communities. Of people,
0: what did proving yourself to them look like though? Uh, it's still survival mechanisms, yeah. I still had, so I had, a,
1: I had a, you know, men fight, yeah, we throw hands, and so I we had to throw hands. I got jumped, I you know, I stood on and was like, you know, got up, and you've know, still ready to go again, right? They beat me up, but I showed heart, which is different,
0: right?
1: This other group. I fought them or I fought a guy. One guy beat me. Other guy, you know, another guy didn't beat me, you know, whatever happened. I showed up for myself in that situation. And I didn't allow my fear to keep me getting bullied because this is what happens when you knew
0: like, I got to do what I got to do. I was a little guy too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like 125 pounds. I was a little dude. So when it came to fighting, I had to, you know, I had to, hit hard and sometimes just be able to take a punch and be okay with that. Yeah. You know, and not let anybody pick on me because this is what happens is that if you allow people to keep picking on you cuz they know you're smart and if you don't fight back, you'll keep getting picked on. Yeah. They'll peck at you peck just like any just like animals do, they peck at you peck at you peck at you, peck at you like they birds do. They'll peck at a, a bird that is seems to be weaker and they'll and they'll push it out of the nest and kill it. Right? This is what
0: birds are cruel.
1: Yeah, birds are dicks. <laughs> but I wasn't allowing myself to be bullied.
0: Yeah, you weren't allowing yourself to be pecked yeah. off the nest. Yeah.
1: I got pecked yeah. a few times and tried to let it go. Yeah. Then it's like, listen, let's go. Yeah. And it's just be fighting.
0: So what I'm hearing is that you pretty much practiced showing up into every space as if you deserved to be there.
1: Yeah, because right? I didn't want to die.
0: Right. So you knew you weren't hood. You weren't running around with the mm-hmm. blood in the crypts. You weren't doing... You I did know, run around with the crips. Well, you did, but you yeah. weren't like out there doing yeah. gangster activity. No, Maybe you were. Just a little bit. Okay. Well, but it wasn't.
1: It never felt comfortable.
0: Right. It didn't feel like you. You were yeah. kind of like, oh, this is kind of yeah. like...
1: I'm even riding around in the tilt. You know what a tilt is, right? No. The tilt is a, stro- a, sto- a stolen automobile. Okay. So riding around in the tilt didn't feel good right because i'm like,
0: I'm,
1: I'm like <laughs> you're wide so, in the back I'm You're s- like, i'm trying to be so cool but i'm like
0: holy I'm, shit and they're
1: and the thing is they mash in the sucker it's f- 55 60 down a 35 yeah mash it because it's not yours yeah you turn the corners hard you're bumping into everything you're hitting curves it doesn't matter it's a tilt it's somebody else's car you, yeah. you're you're just dragging that sucker down Hitting it right? And then you hop out like one time they we were driving and we went fast, we got on the curb, got in the grass and hit something, and they all hopped out and ran. <laughs> and like Sorry. how far I had to I had to go. <laughs> I was a far away from Ron's home. Ron's like,
0: wait, why'd we steal this car? This yeah. wasn't
1: just for functional purposes? Yeah, yeah, you didn't drop me off. It's like, <laughs> drop me off, right? Like, you, they steal a tilt. They're like, they...
0: nah, we just stole this car so we could look cool. Yeah.
1: Or are they still a tilt to go do a lick.
0: Right. What's you know, a lick? Like, like a cell? Oh, a robbery. Okay, yeah. yeah. You
1: steal a tilt to do a robbery. Then you you, know I'm saying, you dump the car. Then you
0: dump the car and, and run you away. you get out.
1: You you know, burn it up, whatever. And, and you, you got left
0: out. behind. Everyone got out of the car and started running. You're like... Uh, uh, where am I going? Yeah,
1: with my big white T-shirt on, <laughs> Silly. And your Jordans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just and Dickies. I hated Dickies. I don't wear Dickies to this day. Were they the thing? Were they the yeah? Th- what? Dickies? They were the thing. You you wear your Dickies? Yeah. Put the crease in them. Oh shit. That you can cut to the air like a knife. <laughs> you know, put the stay for uh, uh, the stays off uh, 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 starch on them. Where they stand up by themselves. Man, you there's get in a them, lot of thought put into these. When you get in them, yeah. you start your whole outfit so everything's starched and thick. Oh, it was crazy. Stiff. But, again, situations in the neighborhood, sometimes may, you, know, you find your tribe in that. And you find the people you want to be around with. And some people just, just not my cup of tea. Yeah. And you have to make that choice for yourself. Uh, Me and my friends. But you didn't
0: stop showing up Mm -hmm. in any other way but yourself, is what I'm saying. So, like, even though you didn't feel comfortable doing hood stuff, you showed up in all spaces as if you deserve to be there, right? So they give you shit like, oh, you're the smart one. You shouldn't be doing this shit. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay. Okay, well I'm here. Yeah.
1: I was okay. sad because they wouldn't they didn't want me to go. Right. But then I was okay. They with, didn't want
0: to give you the street cred.
1: Yeah. Well, I was sad that I didn't I wasn't invited or I mm-hmm. couldn't go. Right. But what I was sad about is that somebody got murdered.
2: Hmm.
1: And I'm like, I'm happy that I wasn't there. Right. And my grandfather said to me, it's like, you're not like them. Why? Cuz I lo- you have somebody that loves you. And I didn't want to let my granddad down. Yeah, And I didn't want to, he always said, he always had this thing. He said, he said, uh, uh, chicken ain't nothing but a bird. Uh, a white man ain't nothing but a turd and a nigga ain't shit. So
0: I like that.
1: So I had to be a black man in America Uh and that takes pressure. It takes a lot of it's a lot of work to stand up to for yourself and not be like everyone else. Oh, you talk white because I sound this way, get in a fight. Oh, you talk this way, you know, so you dress funny, blah, blah, blah. Right. I didn't dress funny for the people I hung around with. I just dress funny for you guys. And then looking at certain styles of things I would I would love to have had them. like. We had these airbrushed jeans. Mm-hmm. Would love to have that, but my parents wouldn't buy that stuff for me. It's a waste of money. That's not gonna be. You're gonna walk around in those for a month, and now you're gonna Digital. look like a fool, <laughs> in airbrushed jeans because it's gonna be out of style. Oh, totally. Right. Same thing.
0: That's how the trend goes.
1: Yeah, and so I never been on trend with those right. things, and I've so I had to find people that are like me. Sometimes it was lonely. A lot of times my cousins were my only friends, you know, and that was it. And I got a little older, found weird people, Mm -hmm. and that community was my community, and we hung tough. We did everything together, and we're still brothers to this day.
0: So what would you say, as a 45-year-old black man, if you were talking to the 20-something-year-old version of yourself? Like, what would you offer as advice and not and I'm not saying like what would you change, right? Because our experiences make us who we are, and mm-hmm. like like you said at the beginning of this podcast, like we learn from our mistakes, we learn from mm-hmm. our 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 experiences, but like looking back, if you were staring at the twenty something year old you that was like dealing with that identity tension, right, mm-hmm. what would you say to yourself?
1: same thing my grandfather said
0: chicken ain't nothing but a bird
1: no <laughs> that you have someone that loves you that's all you really need mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the love and a lot of my kids my the guys in my neighborhood the only time they felt love was from my granddad
0: because
1: mm-hmm. he, he would he would feed them he would talk about him bad but he would feed them
0: oh the kids would talk about him bad no or your grandpa my grandfather would talk about. About
1: him. He would, he yeah would go talk to my granddad ain't crazy
0: But they would feed him. No. Or he He would would feed.
1: (laughs) Wake up. He would
0: feed. Yeah. Yeah. I got that twisted. He would feed them. Yeah.
1: Right? And he would take care of them and say, Yeah. You know, be good and tell them something. He's like, And a lot of these young men, like this, there was the only time they had a man, a grown up man.
0: Look them in the eye and like offer something. Offer something
1: and also feed them and care for them. Yeah. In my neighborhood, I was the rich kid.
2: Hmm
1: right i was privileged i had the big house you know i had everything your so grandpa built that house right yes yeah so i had everything so it i was perceived as as the rich i went to a private you know, it was a pri- private school uh went to another catholic school here so i was perceived as the rich kid There was two houses on our on our block that were a little bigger than others and or three but we were perceived as the rich ones because mm-hmm. we live at the top of the hill and that made them feel a certain way, and so people would try to also take advantage of that. there
0: was kind of like a hierarchy, yeah,
1: they would try to take yeah. advantage of because they would try to steal then we' fight, and I had some really, really hood cousins that came into my life later on on another level, but again we weren't I just didn't grow up like that, and I had to find my own lane, yeah, you know, and not try to Connect myself with something that I wasn't just because I want to belong. I had to belong to me first.
0: Yep. do you feel like you're at home with yourself now?
1: Uh, some days okay there's other there's times where I don't, that I want more I, the times I don't I feel like I want more it, or when I see people who look like me struggling with some basic things basic thought process it hurts my feelings to see us fight each other so so viciously men and women mm-hmm. in my community fight each other so viciously it breaks my heart because i feel that from what i ha- grown up with mm-hmm. i feel like it's simple but then i call I then the same women i want to love also call me names are oh, you corny you know right you you a simp you they you don't soft. see you as
0: like a hard thug no yeah
1: you soft things like that i'm like i don't know what that means right like i'm not soft i'm respectful this is what i want yeah like that player player stuff is not for me yeah that was well i did it
0: but this is the thing is like mm-hmm. when we have certain experiences even if there are experiences that leave us deeply wounded or traumatized like we keep going back to them like mm-hmm. um you know, this is like a theory in psychology. I don't know who made it up or where specifically it comes from, but it's true, like you, like wounded people hurt, like continue to perpetuate that wound, right? And so you could say you want something different, Mm -hmm. but here you are looking for this Mm -hmm. other thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, here you have the situation where you want to, you want to learn how to like love a black woman.
1: Oh, no. I know how you, to love a black woman. Well,
0: <laughs> you know how to love a black woman. <coughs> but, but what I'm saying is, like, you find yourself in these situations where that love that you want to give is not being received mm-hmm. because there's this immense amount of, like, A, woundedness,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and B, like, a huge wall up, right? Mm-hmm. That basically perpetuates this idea of, like, I'm searching for the very thing that hurt me and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. continue to search for that. So then you walk into the picture, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. as a black man Mm -hmm. in their life and they're like, nah, I've never seen this before. And now you become the problem because you're too soft. Mm -hmm. You're too, you know, you respect too much. You, like whatever. (laughs) that's a thing. (laughs) that's a thing. So yeah, I think it's just, like I think we limit ourselves Mm -hmm to what we can expand to, Mm -hmm. relationally and individually, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I'm not from the hood. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in the hood. Um, But, like, I do think that when you... I understand that when you grow up in the hood, it's a huge part of, like, your experience, right? And it
1: really is. And And your identity.
0: But if you perpetuate that the rest of your life, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, you are... Continuing the very oppressive state that, like, the conditions in which you grew up in Mm -hmm. forced you into. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Why would you want that? Why would you want that?
1: I I ask the same question, right? This is the this is the question I I ask myself all the time. So you grew up in a single mother household. There's a time I grew up in a single mother household, Mm -hmm. right? I watched my father hurt my mother emotionally, right, and and I watched men in the neighborhoods leave and women raising boys in the neighborhood. These same boys go out and treat the women just like their fathers did. And I'm thinking to myself, I watched my mother cry. I watched how hurt she was and how alone she felt uh, raising kids by herself and the cries in a room with the door closed. I remember putting my ear up to the door and listening and asking, mommy, are you all right? And she's like, yeah, baby, I'm okay. Just to go out into the world and, uh, and do the same thing to a black woman is terrible to me. I would never do that.
0: But what else do you know?
1: What do you mean what else do I know? That's what I know. I know it's not right. I don't wanna feel like that.
0: Right, but like, that's what I'm saying is like subconsciously you know like you know that but there's also nothing else you haven't experienced anything outside of it so what you know is just to keep perpetuating that pattern Well
1: you but you see it you see that it's not good because it's hurting someone You can see you can feel you can touch all your senses are telling you that this isn't right
0: But you would have to question so many aspects of what has made like mm-hmm. your identity and what has made you the conditions in which you see what i'm saying like there's no, so much you'd, you'd have it to it's, unravel it's right there in your face i you understand don't have to unravel that anything. but it's <laughs>
1: unraveled for you this is the issue it's unraveled for you but we're just stupid yeah, you do, it's, unra- <laughs> it's, it's like no one accepts responsibility for their actions yeah they always blame somebody else well it's because of this right it's because of this oh it's because my neighborhood was bad i can't blame my neighborhood for yeah. me I made the choice to do that. Yeah, you
0: are an autonomous individual at the end of the day who When I got in that car,
1: I got in the car. Right. I accept the responsibility of me getting caught in that car. Did I want to blame? Oh, such and such made me get... No. I had to choose. I had to choose to pick up a, a, a biscuit and fire it at somebody. I had to choose. I had to choose to do that because either out of fear or whatever, I had to choose it's the same thing. Choose what you're seeing. Yeah, your mom's being you know the woman is sometimes is so frustrated, she's being mean to you. So you reject women because you know, this woman that you love is hard on you. So you treat women out there in the world, less than because your mom did it to you. She made you feel bad. But understand the context of what she's going through, doing it by herself. There's a bigger picture Open your eyes. It's not. It's, it's simple. Just open your eyes, which means open your heart, open your mind, see what's around you. And do you want your mother or the mother of your children or who you are to be treated like that? Would you want your daughter to be treated like that? Then don't do what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't want your daughter treated like that. Because yeah. if that's the case, there's men man not there that's going to treat you. If yep. you, have, you are the example. There's gonna be a man you are the
0: example. Exactly. that's gonna treat your mama exactly. like a baby
1: mama, and he gonna hit her up, pregnant, and be out. That's your daughter. Mm. Not there mine. You Preaching it. Not mine. Yeah. Not gonna have it. Not gonna have it.
0: It's about like expanding those limitations that we believe and have also been taught to us Mm -hmm. by society right like who says that you can't be intellectual and come from the hood you can who says you can't enjoy 18th century art i keep going back to it i don't know anything from the 18th century
1: (laughs) i really like 18th century art you can, you, right? can, you can, I think can, I
0: just, I think it's just, it seems kind of fancy yeah. to me, so that's why I keep so saying.
1: You can, it. you can know um, pop art, like, you pop know, art. Yeah, like you can, Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol, things like that, <laughs> you know, John right. Acavasciat. You can know these things, right? The thing is, is that it doesn't make you less hood. No, it doesn't, and so shedding that identity is also bringing on the identity, knowing that I am all those things, yeah, but. The places I feel super uncomfortable where I'm not myself is what I'm shedding. I'm not shedding what I sound like, who I can talk to. I'm just shedding the parts of me that don't fit, that I try to super glue onto me so I can be accepted. And now it's picking those things off because I need this to be me because the only acceptance i really need is myself. Yeah. And those people will come to me.
0: What about okay, i do have a question because i've seen this happen before when i hung out with some of like my black friends in particular like black men, right? Mm-hmm. Like they walk into an establishment where there are the majority of white people mm-hmm. and it's almost like their hood factor mm-hmm. turns up like three more notches than it would anywhere else.
1: Yeah, i don't have to do that. I don't do that.
0: Where do you think that, like, where do you think that comes from, though? Insecurity. They walk into a white space and all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to be that much more hood. And I understand to some degree, I'm like, okay, they want to express that they're unapologetically being who they think their authentic self it is. Could be, right? It
1: could be our the authentic self, but it doesn't matter what a space is. A space is a space, you know, the thing is, is that these are just right. people and it doesn't matter who they are. Right. It doesn't matter who you are. Right now, you're sh- now you're showing off for them. Now you're performing for them.
0: But and you have to ask yourself why. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's yeah. like why do you do that?
1: Why you do that to protect yourself? Yes. And keep those people. Keep those
0: people at out, bay.
1: At, no, out, just so, just out of the way,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: so they so they can't come in on your space. So they don't approach you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? They're not gonna approach you anyway. Yeah. Right. You're not going to walk if you walk in and just
0: it's almost like you're making it obvious that, like, you are protecting yourself
1: for the intellectual mind. Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to understand what you see and what white people see is two different things. Right. White people's eyes see the same thing that all black people feel. When you have an element, if you are in a poor area. Mm -hmm. And there are rapists, drug dealers, and murderers, right? They go to prison. Where do they go back to? The poor area. The
0: poor area. Okay.
1: Who are we afraid of? Those same people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The same people that the white people is afraid of as those people. Mm -hmm. But now I look like those people. But we all are afraid of the same person, Mm -hmm. right? All of us. We're all afraid of you know the same kind of people. But in this situation, they look at you, and this is what they see. And now they're standing back like, oh, look at, okay. That's how they see us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we and not all of them, but some of them, this is how they see right. us. So think about when you go so into... So you're kind break.
0: of perpetuating that.
1: You know, you're not just perpetuating. That's my favorite it. word of the night. Yeah. You're not just perpetuating it. You are exuding yourself in the space because it makes you uncomfortable and it's just not being comfortable with yourself a lot of times yeah because really it doesn't matter what space you go to right if you walk into any space with the confidence that you belong yeah and it's your space to be yeah. then it's okay right like I. you can been, walk
0: into a room full of dinosaurs like yeah. you know like it's yeah. I, I think like we're using white people in yeah. this context but what i'm saying is like any space doesn't mm-hmm. change the way that you show up
1: let me give you an example so
0: if you are secure in yeah, who you are
1: i've been to parties and situations
0: mm-hmm.
1: and organizations that are mostly white and i've been the only black person in most of these situations i'm from the city i was in an organization that was about farming and wildlife and animals there are no black people there <laughs> in this sense right and
0: was it 4-H? No, it was uh,
1: Future Farmers of America.
0: Why were you part of Future Farmers of America? Just to get out
1: of school. <laughs> and to go on field trips. So we were in situations where there's just no other black people. Yeah. And there was racist behaviors happening. And we had to fight sometimes. Uh, it was terrible. But we always showed up like we still are going to be there because we had a job to do. Didn't matter what, what what happened yesterday. We you know so we went. If I had a black eye and I was showing a sheep, I would show that sheep and run it around, and you know then get out there and do what I had to do by shaving it and keeping it and grooming it. Uh, if it was a, a cow, just you know move it around. If it was going putting pigs out to slaughter, do my job. Like i was supposed to be there. Yeah. Even when somebody's like, we should slaughter those niggers off with the pigs. I'm going to keep doing my job and I'm going to keep doing it better. But I'm going to keep doing it because it's not, I don't care what you're talking about. Yeah. You're just saying that to get up under my skin. Yeah. I don't care. I'm here to show these sheep. Yeah. It's, you're not important. Yeah. You're not important enough for me to make provider. but if you get up in my face, then we have a issue. Then we have a problem. And then I'm going to, you know, if you put your hands on me, I'm going to put my hands on you. Bottom line. Don't put your hands on me, we won't have a problem, right? So, the same thing, and that is a hood mentality. Don't put your hands on me, we won't have a problem, right? You get it? Some places. Oh my God, what are you doing? I, hitting me? I'm like you know, like no, I'm like, what are you doing? Hit that dude back. I no, how? Fine. What in the fuck just happened? Throwing his hands all over the place. (laughs) Like, who hits like that? And, but some people just don't grow up. I know people who've never had a fight in their life.
0: I've never had a fight in my life. I really haven't.
1: I can't imagine not having. I've never
0: gotten into a physical
1: fight. Could you imagine the, think of the, how that fear will, you know what I'm saying, in that, it's 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 an experience that I can't explain. But besides I experience that, it? oh yeah, we, me and you are gonna fight. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna make you. Afraid. You're gonna
0: piss me off so much. That oh I'm yeah, gonna
1: I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fuck you up, man. <laughs> Just to get you strong.
0: Everyone, you heard it here first. I'm not gonna
1: I'm not beating her, beating on a woman. I'm yes, I am. I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> we're, not we're both, if I beat him up first. Yeah, though. we're both martial artists, so it's you know, all trip. good. We're training. It's training. <laughs> so yeah it's you know I wish I, you would yeah after this wrapping this thing up what we all have to realize it's about connecting to ourselves and being authentic selves mm-hmm. not being a code switcher leaving that if somebody you have to find yourself and accept you and then allow people to accept you if they don't they yeah. don't
0: well that's what I'm saying is it starts with you first yeah. you oh, set the standard you, set right? the standard. you don't like, have to walk
1: into a place oh. and make this big deal you just be you it doesn't matter who they are if it's yeah. empty the place is empty it's just like uh talking to a crowd of people right you're looking to a crowd of people you don't recognize faces mm-hmm. when you're talking to a large crowd of people you're talking to empty seats of you know empty faces because these lights are blinding at you so you can't really see people yeah. anyway everything's kind of dark and you see so you bobbing you. heads and you be you And you walk into like just being your authentic self, whatever that is. I think
0: what stops us from that, and this is kind of like in conclusion of Mm -hmm. talking about our experiences and speaking personally, like what stops me oftentimes is ego, right? And judgment. Mm -hmm. Like we judge ourselves so harshly and that stops us from then like actually tapping into that authentic part of who we are right our whole self and so i feel like what happens for me is i judge everything based off of like is this white or not like
1: that's ego like if
0: i go skiing that's a really white thing that's ego i can't go skiing because skiing is for white people right like if i listen to this music that's Mm -hmm. like super hipster and white Mm -hmm. so if i listen to that then i'm buying into that identity and culture right it's just, and and it's, and music. it's ego
1: yeah. all right and li- that's what i'm saying i is listen like, to you two, rem nas dmx uh these people you don't have no clue who they are uh imagine i know who dmx is imagine dragons oh my gosh uh, i'll listen to some <laughs> country ones. i would never
0: ron just threw up in his mouth
1: listen to country
0: so that's a definite no
1: hell to the no 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 <laughs> Ye to the. No, no, no.
0: No, I'm not a country person either.
1: I'm not. No, not at all. No. Not even, not even if it has a Latin flavor to it, like, I'm not into the organs. Yeah.
0: No, the, the organs. No, not
1: the, what did they call? Not the organs. What? Are they, or accordions.
0: Accordions. <laughs> Were they, I'm like
1: not into that. That's
0: not how they sound. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i hate it <laughs> terrible. No, I just did you started. snort it that's terrible So no, we're gonna you know in conclusion but,
0: no but it's it's true like let's i wrap this up let's i know we're up. trying to wrap it no, up we've been keeping no, you for an try. hour and a half
1: let's do this
0: but yeah basically like what i've been learning yeah. is you can't judge yourself because the more i judge myself based off like but you
1: should judge yourself what you, you don't get it you have to judge yourself to know what you need to shed
0: that's true and that's where i think i'm at right like when Mm -hmm. you were asking me earlier have you found that like whole self right like Mm -hmm. no i haven't because i'm still shedding Mm -hmm. i'm shedding things and i'm putting things back on that do feel like they are authentic to me Mm -hmm. and do feel like they are a part of me right Mm -hmm. and so the more shedding i do the more i like Feel more at home with myself and I'm no longer placing these judgments on like oh, this is white This is Latino. This is white. This is Latino, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's all of a sudden like no like I do this because I want to and I enjoy it yeah, I do this because You know, this is something that I learned when I was living in predominantly white suburbia that quite frankly I enjoy doing you know or whatever so it just you have to drop that ego and honestly i think this this has been a long journey of dropping that ego for me mm-hmm. so that i can be more of my authentic self and like express that to others around me
1: you find out that it's easier than you think it's when you stop caring how do you do that you stop <laughs> like,
0: every time i ask you that you're like you just stop
1: it's literally that easy how do you take a step?
0: You just take
1: How do you, a step. You want to know something hard? the heart? How do you wake up?
0: Your eyes just open.
1: You go to sleep. You don't know when you go to sleep. Yeah. But you go.
0: Yeah.
1: And you wake up. You don't know when you wake up. You just, all of a sudden, your eyes open up for no reason.
0: It's a practice, though, to stop caring.
1: It's not a practice. It's, it is a choice. And you, like, <sighs> I don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't care. But this, no, is, this is my do, thing. Do it with I me. I do that. Everybody, I say that I do don't care me. and do then I me. actually do care. Do, do it with me. I don't care.
0: <sighs> I don't give a shit.
1: Again, I don't
0: care. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care.
1: Yeah, I don't care. You know. I just You don't, don't like care. me? I don't care. <laughs> Does it pay my bills? No. Does it satisfy the deepest core need in my body? Nope. Have I had an orgasm from you caring <laughs> no
0: that's how we're measuring our our uh
1: yo you ain't. what have you done for me lately
0: yeah out there goodbye
1: yeah I you don't care mean that that nothing. me me trying to please this over here yeah what has it done for me lately me trying to please it over here What has it done for me lately yeah. nothing nothing it when you stop caring then you start being aware that you all it is is about what you enjoy. Yeah. You have, you know what the most important thing in the world is in, in this life?
0: Number one, which is you.
1: Yeah, and what's the other most important thing? What are dealing with things? Peace. Yep. You want to have peace. Moving with peace is so good. Not worrying. just moving with peace. Being encouraging. Moving in peace. No drama. Peaceful. I've had all the drama in my life. I, peace is so important. It's everything. Like, how do you get there? Not caring <laughs> about all this other stuff outside of you. Just doing what you can do. Yeah. Not putting a lot of bunch of pressure on you. What you have to be, or I have to be the super Latina, La- latinx woman. You don't. Yep. I have to me. be. I have to be the best black person ever. I don't. I have to be the best me, Mm -hmm. who is a black person.
0: You know what that does in return? And we're gonna end it with this. Mm -hmm. When you invest being the best you, Mm -hmm. that is exactly the remedy that our world needs, Mm -hmm. right? Like we don't, like my my therapist says this all the time, like we don't need more parents, we need more healthy parents, right? Mm -hmm. What this world needs is not just a half-assed version of you, or this version that you put on every day to reflect to the world. What the what the world needs is you, your authentic you.
1: Yeah. And that's it's your superpower. You. Yeah. So only you, this everybody. Own that, mm-hmm.
0: that is the thing that begins to mend our world.
1: Yeah. We have so many people that are exactly the same or acting exactly right. the same. That we don't have that those individuals. Yeah. There'd be one individual who is who finds their self and then everyone starts to mimic them. Yep. Then you have fifty of the same exact exactly. same person. Exactly. I you know it's crazy. I'm gonna give you uh, tonight I'm gonna give you a song and it's gonna have some of this stuff in it. It's gonna be pretty cool. What's it called? I can't tell you. We, okay. don't worry about it. Well, this to all of
0: our listeners, like what I would encourage everyone to dive into is in is to do the work to be the best version of yourself, right? This is a process, this is a lifelong journey. Um, You know, I feel like I'm just embarking and every time I hit a milestone, I still feel like I'm just embarking. I'm sure Ron feels the same way, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you learn a lot, Mm -hmm. but there's still so much that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And everything that we experience in life should not be judged, but be looked at as a way to improve yourself and become the best version of yourself because that at the end of the day is what the world needs is you in your best form so do what it is that you need to do to to make that happen right whether you're mixed race whether you're white black asian puerto rican i know we gave
1: the white people in their business today (laughs) but we love you too
0: like this is this is exactly what it means to start to mend our world Mm -hmm. so anyway we love you all thanks for tuning in i am so 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 grateful that um ron and i get to have this platform and we can't wait to share more with you all All right right. take it easy bye